0: The end is near, and for our favorite books, the end is here.
1: <laughs> what a sad thing to say, starting off the week on a somber note.
0: Yeah.
1: Welcome to the XY wife Podcast. I'm Alicia. You no, know I just did. And suddenly you have a British accent. I'm Loopy. Want to tell the folks why?
0: Yes, I have had COVID for the whole dang week, Mm -hmm. and now I'm I'm like getting better. I'm getting better. I just tested negative. That's great.
1: That's that's in the good direction.
0: Step forward, but I don't have all my energy, and I want to move and act as if I do have all my energy. So the other the earlier today when I did a dramatic rendition of the first opening song for One Piece, that took a lot out of me and I needed to lie down for a little bit.
1: But now we're here and we're recording. And we're talking about three books. One Digi and two Tangies. We are talking about X-Men Unlimited number 117, Dark X-Men number five, and X-Men Red number 18. But first, News. News. News.
0: News. News. news, news. You got your news. I got some news for you. Hey, Marvel Legends news. Okay. Our last stream of the year, and we got some announcements, some new things coming to light. What is that? What is that noise?
1: Because the Marvel Legends news is baloney. But go ahead, talk about it, and then I'll talk about how I feel.
0: I know how you feel. I know I know exactly how you feel. Why do you think I'm wearing this shirt? Ugh. I've got my Oops All Wolverines shirt on because it is the 50th anniversary. Next year, it's Wolverine's 50th birthday. Yay! Nice. Good for you, and, Wolverine. And so Hasbro decided to announce four, and who knows if that's all of it, Ugh. four two packs for our favorite Knucklehead. And each one is... Wolverine, in a different rendition, paired with some character that may or may not have anything to do with Wolverine. Yeah.
1: Upsetting that like there are characters that people really wanted and are looking forward to that are paired with a Wolverine figure. Why do we need four more Wolverine figures?
0: Uh, because money (laughs) is...
1: I'm really getting sick of the of like that being the answer of like oh Wolverine money money okay well maybe try backing someone else and see if they can make you money.
0: Well, no, 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 I mean, I mean, like, like if if so, the, the four packs to just before we get into the semantics of capitalism, um, the four packs, the two that have already gone up for pre order, one is a Lalandra Naramani like an official release of Lelandro which is great because all I've had has been what I've kitbashed together thanks to the remains of Silver Sable and a couple other pieces. But she is paired with a brooded Wolverine. So like the brood growing within him, showing itself in his body. I saw that. That was that was a wild pick. I was not expecting that. I was expecting like him in the Fang suit that they just made. And I would have been happy with either of them, but the brood Wolverine gives me hope that there is more brood coming.
1: Maybe, maybe not.
0: No, that's how they do it. They slow play it. It'll maybe be like a year or two. Uh, the second one that is up for pre-order already is a, a a well beautifully designed Jim Lee inspired saber tooth with like the, the size that should be a saber tooth. I was just like, when I saw that... And then he comes with, like, Cowboy Wolverine, which, honestly, that that of the four... Actually, no, no, I take that back. I still like the Cowboy Wolverine, because he's got extra details, and, and it, I like I like casual, like, civvies figures. We don't get that a lot. The other two being Wolverine in his kind of ninja outfit, a re-release of the retro-carded figure that came out a couple years ago. With re-release, yes, yes, but with new tooling and development, modern technology, we have the we have the power. With a lady Mandarin, which is not what I was expecting. I, I was thinking it was going to be an armored Psylocke, which I kind of wanted more. But I'll take a lady Mandarin. That's great. And the fourth one is a actually accurately done patch in his white suit with a Joe Fixit Hulk. Which like, that's great. Let me ask you something. When you
1: say an actually accurate patch, what do you mean? You have a patch that's not actually accurate?
0: (laughs) I have a patch head that they released on technically the ninja body from Wolverine's solo, his ongoing solo. And that is not, that's not patch. I mean, like, that's fine. I'm sure that that happened in a couple panels, but patch in the suit is what it's always been about. Patch in the white tux, matched with Hulk in the white tux, that's what it is.
1: How many Wolverine action figures did you have before this wave came out?
0: Irrelevant!
1: Not irrelevant.
0: In addition to that, wave 2 of the X-Men 97 line was also revealed and discussed with, not, not a Wolverine, People rejoice, but with uh, Madeline Pryor, which is very exciting, even though she looks kind of washed out. She does
1: look like a ghost.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's definitely no sunlight in Sinister's basement laboratory. And the deep cut of Executioner, who is apparently going to be in the show, and it's just making me more and more hyped about this show. And then I saw some
1: people kind Mm -hmm. of being upset that it sort of spoiled who the villains in the show are going to be.
0: That's true. And that happens a lot with, especially Legos. Legos will have very accurate sets come out months before the show or movie premieres. But the last thing, and then I'll stop about Marvel Legends, but the Mm -hmm. last thing was a tease reveal. They always do this at the end of the stream. And it's a little fire accessory that I am hoping that is a lead into the Rachel Summers that we need to finish out the classic Excalibur lineup
1: we'll see won't we
0: we'll see she's not excited
1: I just think like you're gonna come out with eight new action figures and four of them are Wolverine yeah that's a lot of Wolverine at once it's his birthday I, I understand it's his birthday but like it's a lot of Wolverine at once, and then you have these figures like you're talking about, like Lalandra and Lady Mandarin, that maybe people want, and they don't also want a Wolverine, but they have no choice but to also get a Wolverine in order to get those.
0: You can buy it on the secondary market and pay an increase.
1: Why would they do that?
0: I don't know. <laughs> there was.
1: I'm getting Comber- sick of it. I'm I'm turning into one of those people who's getting sick of Logan being the the hero of everything
0: great covers preview arts preview pages dead x-men preview pages that was cool Mm. really excited about that along with all that x-men rumors and you know we talked about rumors a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. and how i don't want to put too much stock in rumors just because one i hated them and two i just like they were non-credible sources and everybody lost their minds Two different lineup rumors one involving uh an obsessive amount of rob Liefeld, and the other one that actually sounded a little bit believable with some details about what we are looking at post krakoa Mm
1: -hmm. but
0: i just i i feel like it's it's too soon to report on any of this stuff because we don't know and i doubt that someone with like no it was just it's the same thing that happened Maybe like a year or so ago when people are saying, Oh, the X-Men movie's coming, but it's gonna be called The Mutants and it's gonna do all these things. It's like you're just doing that for clicks. That's all it is.
1: Well, clicks, but it also got people real riled up. Like there were things in that in those rumors Ooh. that really made me mad. Yeah. Um
0: about and, magic?
1: Yeah, the stuff about magic. I just feel like I'm trying not to put too much stock in them because we don't know anything yet. But at the same time, like, I get why, why they're out there, you know, and and I get why people are getting riled up because some of that stuff just feels like if this was the case, like, let's, let's just say if, if it was, it feels like you're not paying attention to your demographic at all. Like, you're not they're listening to the people who are buying your books and so that's kind of why it feels like that's not really true and then also like the thing with Rob Lifefield like when you and I were talking about it is like there hasn't been one single person who's written six titles in the x-line at all so why would there be one person writing six titles like that just doesn't feel
0: especially Rob Lifefield
1: I don't know but it's it's important to say that we've read them or Justin has read them and I have heard them. We acknowledge them, but we're not going to take anything and un- for serious until we see the proof of it ourselves.
0: The one thing that also got rumored and reported was from Bleeding Cool, and I don't think you know about this one. Oh, Weapon X Men. Oh, you're gonna you're gonna hate this after our conversation about Wolverine. Um. And it's about a multiversal team of Wolverines hunting down mutants. (laughs) We're recording on Zoom because I still have COVID. But just watching Alicia's face right now is bringing me so much joy and life.
1: I just, okay, fine. Like, I don't know what else to say. Like, I get it. I understand that he brings in the money and that people love him as a character. But also then, like, then write him with like this is no this is nothing against ben percy because i think ben percy has an amazing voice for wolverine but then give me more like depth to his stories but then i guess that's like not the point right people just want books Fashion. where wolverine is slicing slicing other people up and that's it but like i don't need to read four books that are the same thing just with wolverine fighting a different person like i don't know
0: yeah i like- agree like i loved the work that ben has put into the character and expanding his rogues and and doing just kind of like the perspective on krakoa i would agree that especially early on x-force and wolverine were indistinguishable and it was just hey we've got two wolverine books but this one's got more side characters and sometimes they show up in his other book it was kind of weird
1: i it's that's not even it for me it's it's like i i do think that the the journey that Wolverine has been on with this idea, especially like the start of Krakoa where he was like, you know, we're getting too soft. We're not safe, you know, and all of that is, is an interesting arc for him as a character. But then if the idea is that we just are going to make more books where he's just like, I'm a loner and I'm going to take this guy down. And then there's an epic battle. And then it happens again. Like, do we need to have multiple books of that same plot line
0: Ooh.
1: without any other development that happens? And this is just me coming from a place of like being sour that like Wolverine, like it's like, oh, if something's not doing well, slap a Wolverine on it. And then not even a Wolverine, slap a Logan on it.
0: Right. The last thing I'll say for news is more, it kinda kind of segues into personal news because I don't have any other personal news. I've been locked inside of the bedroom for entirely too long. I've been doing these year-end character reviews, and honestly, they bring me so much joy to just look through 2023 and see like with a lens towards one character. So we've done Cyclops, Storm, Sync, and Emma so far. Mm-hmm. And I got a couple more loaded up of and we did a a poll or kind of a question of people what people wanted to see what what people were looking for like who had a great year and it's just like it's definitely something that i would continue to do years going on to just reinvest in the stories i also discovered that i can set my marvel unlimited so i buy the books physically and then redeem them digitally i can set a filter to only show me what was released in this year. So I can put like the release date as January 1, 2023. And then have it all the way up to my last issue that I redeemed. And only see the 2023 content. I thought that was really cool.
1: That is really cool. Um, my personal news. Is that I have. For the last three days. I've been walking around completely crutch free. And it does not feel normal. It still feels like. My right leg does not fully know how to function. However, I can walk without crutches and that is very exciting. Also, we haven't figured out all of the details around it, but last year we did a thing on Instagram Live after Christmas called the holiday hangover. And uh, we're gonna do something like that again this year. So make sure you join us on Instagram Live and 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 hang out. And we'll talk about the year and, and all of these other things that we'll plan. But, yeah, keep your eyes on our Instagram for that because that'll be a fun little community thing we do.
0: Yeah. You know what else is fun? Data. Polls. Data. data. We've got two comics in the poll. Mm. Dark X-Men and X-Men Red. Who won? What's the percentage?
1: Well, hmm. I mean, X-Men Red won. It did. And I'm going to say it won by... 69%. 69%.
0: 72, not far off. That was not as close as I was expecting it to be, personally. No.
1: And I I feel like I really enjoyed X-Men Red, but yeah. I I think Dark Dark X-Men was my book of the week.
0: I don't know. that. That's honestly, I was looking for the people to tell me what my book of the week was secretly, but I just, I like them both. It's hard to just because of the journey that we've been on with X-Men Red for as long as we've been reading it. Mm -hmm. I loved dark X-Men and I'm really excited for Steve Fox to continue on the line with dead X-Men. And I just, I don't know.
1: I think when it comes to it, I, and I've said this before, right? Like I sometimes rate my book on my book of the week based on my experience while reading the book. Mm -hmm. And I was like yelling things out loud. I had like (gasps) moments while I was reading dark X-Men and I felt like, yeah, Yeah. at the end of it. And I did feel some of those things also while, while reading X-Men red, but I think like dark X-Men just checked a few more of those excitement boxes for me. But I, I I, I think X-Men red was amazing.
0: Well, especially it's because X-Men red has been building this massive arc of story and needing to to not even, that's the other, I don't want to say downside to X-Men Red, but I didn't feel like we got a whole lot of closure to all the threads that were brewing in that. Yeah. And maybe some of that will get carried over into Resurrection of Magneto. Maybe we'll hear what's on the other side. But yeah, I, I thought that that could have been a double-sized issue, personally. Yeah,
1: yeah, it could have.
0: We have two general questions. Okay. JP DiMasso is wondering about the future. Do we think arako will survive past the krakowan era and be just as relevant
1: it feels like it should in some way especially with the way that x-men red ended and the like sort of reassemblance of okara in a sense right like it feels like why would the like if we needed to deplete Araco and no longer have it as part of the story, why would X-Men Red have ended on the up? Right. You know, like if it didn't, if it was like, nope, is destroyed, then obviously we never see it again. So and I also think the, the idea is that so many new mutants came from there. And if we're going with the thought process that like everybody's gonna be potentially scattered and there will be not one nation of mutants, but different factions and nations of mutants all over. Then it would make sense for them to still have a presence on a Rocco.
0: Yeah, I just I, I'm curious about how you do that. I would love to have Rocco still be around. I would be surprised if it was as relevant if it was still around. I feel like it would be unless someone takes it on and and wants to. Right. That's mm-hmm. that's really the key to threads and concepts that continue is that someone of the new team wants to continue to play with that. I am curious as to and gates still being a thing and access to Arako I know we, you still have space travel but that makes things a lot more difficult I feel like the gates
1: I feel like the gates may not not exist anymore but right the like space travel like mutants in space would be Based in Arakko, you know, like all those mutants that are in Chiyar space, like maybe they make their way to Arakko now that the civil unrest is over.
0: Yeah. Kevin to Michael wants to know if we would want a new Alpha Flight run. And at the same time, he's calling out Snowbird for being OP and cute and wondering who else we think is OP, but that you wouldn't expect them to be, right? That like, they have a ton of power, but you wouldn't you would be surprised by it because Snowbird she can turn into all sorts of creatures and animals. So how she uses that and the the mutatability of that I think is really unexpected. Like magic can be considered OP. What is I, OP? Overpowered.
1: Okay. <laughs> I was like, I'm waiting for you to tell me before I have to ask, but you just keep saying OP. So
0: gotcha. Overpowered. Like magic is OP, but I know that and she she throws that around like storm instant you know like I, i'm not surprised by that i i would want a new alpha flight run to answer that first question i thought that there's plenty of story for it and the mini series did a really great job uh as for someone that's like a surprise op i don't know like i don't have i i tried to think about this i didn't have any good answers come to mind i think kate has been proving herself to have a lot more resources especially embracing the ninja side and with the phasing ability and and the fact that she can technically walk on air and fly i think has a lot to it
1: so when okay so first of all if there was another alpha flight book fine do i want one right it's not a desire of mine i'd agree with that It's not a story that I'm like, oh my God, I need more Alpha Flight. But I would think that if they got one, I wouldn't be like, ew, why are we getting another Alpha Flight book? You know, like, I think it would be a good book. Yeah. And as far as like a surprise OP, I guess like, does that mean someone who is suddenly going to get more power? Like, who who do I want to see suddenly get more power? Or?
0: Someone that is more powerful than you might assume. Someone that could like, throw around their power in a way that you wouldn't expect
1: i'd like to see doug be able to do something i wouldn't be able to expect
0: you should read zeb wells's new mutants because that is probably the best example of unlocking what doug could be Mm. to use the ability to read language as a ability to read body language and to Mm. read fighting styles and to mimic and adapt to that
1: well we have we've got doug sort of being in a a safe keeping from Krakoa still. So like, I'm interested in like what's going on there. And I'd love to see him come out of that with something, something more.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Or him and Krakoa merging because he's no longer merged with Warlock. And then hopefully we still get Warlock back.
0: Yeah. The Uncanny Spider-Man tease. Need more of it. I need more of it. Yeah. You ready to... Go through our issues.
1: Yeah, let's do it.
0: Talk about the narrative pedal.
1: Yes. So in our X-Men Unlimited number 117, we conclude the Firestar story for now. It ends with saying she will return in the pages of X-Men. And um, pretty much Judas gets the boot. He's out. And uh, Firestar is now in charge.
0: He gets depowered, too. Yeah. I'm surprised surprised that they didn't kill him.
1: Well, you know, when he's not a mutant anymore, he's not a threat, right? But that is dumb because he could just go... Did they put him in jail? Yes. Okay, because I'm like, he's going to go around and tell everybody all their secrets. For sure. Yeah, it's interesting to see Firestar's tactics in this issue. Like the idea that she went to them to say, Judas is doing things behind your back. I also want to shout out, like they were showing the... The clips that that uh he was keeping to himself. And the one of them is uh the image from Pat Loika of Pat Loika being killed at the Hellfire Gala. Yep. Which is cool because it's like, you know, that's a guy who's a friend of ours who is drawn into the comics and then that gets pulled as one of the images. That's fun. Yeah.
0: I thought it was really wild that Firestar has now taken Judas's place mm-hmm. in the acting director seat of the narrative pedal. I think that is an interesting development and setup for her to be able to use that to her advantage and to see something really cool happen in the Firestar story. Mm-hmm. We, were, we were guesting on 1407 Gray Malkin last night, and I said she was my favorite villain as a cop out because I just I love what has been happening with her story over the last year.
1: Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see what she does next and this idea that she's plotting to destroy them and, you know, bringing it back to I could have easily just like blown up this station on my first day here, but I'm playing the slow game, the long game. So kind of seeing how that goes. I think, you know, the the note of her saying to Stasis like, oh, you just you just have that blissful up your sleeve, you know, like
0: that was fear. She's,
1: she's like, yeah, exactly. She was like, Oh shoot. That's not good. So good for her to know that that's something that could be dangerous. It
0: was written by Steve Fox and Steve Orlando art by Gilmore Sanna colors. Java Tartaglia letters. Travis Landham.
1: He sees Travis Landham.
0: We do have a couple of questions and comments. Blonde China wants unlimited to keep going after the fall. Okay, Firestar, taking out Judas, a.k.a. the lamest part of Orcus LMAO. It's true. <laughs> here, I, I would love X-Men Unlimited to continue. I feel like it does a really good job at filling out stories that are potentially smaller or more character-driven, that might not carry a full series run or miniseries. And here... For the betrayal of the, the Judasing of Judas.
1: Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And I, it's funny, it was as you were saying that I had like a reaction of like, I never in my wildest dreams thought X Men Unlimited would go away. Like I didn't think that was on the table. So that's interesting to think about because it is so full of these like other stories, and they don't always deal directly with Krakoa. But yeah, would I would hate to see that go away. And I think in terms of marvel's marketing and and what they're doing like i think the infinity comics are really working well for them so i wonder if it would be a different title or if it would just keep going with like different stories but that there would still be an x-men one
0: or if they would reboot it because there have been some unlimited comics that have ended their run Mm -hmm. comics diago is all hard eyes for x-men unlimited which yes here for it excited to see what the next arc is There's been some teases about some big things from the Steves.
1: The Steves.
0: Gletta Grafico thinks Firestar should continue on the X-Men. And that's at least where the narrative is going to pick up as hinted at at the end of the issue. So I would agree. I would love to see what she can do and how she brings the story back to the mutants. And also, I also am waiting for Rogue to come after her as I was was going through some of the, the page's yeah. From the last year, the Hellfire Gala. Be seeing you, trader. hmm You ready to talk Dark X-Men?
1: Oh, yeah. Dark X-Men. Let's freaking go. First, let's talk about this cover. Maddie v. Maddie.
0: Maddie versus Maddie.
1: I love it. It's gorgeous. It's great. I'm here for it.
0: Yeah, I like it. I think it's cool. I think it just, it shows the differences between the two. And often how Maddie is portrayed Mm -hmm. is kind of like the Goblin Queen, you know, Like, like this vengeful villainous, just out to kill everything.
1: Yeah. Here we go. Page turn noise. Coming in from the beginning with Faint's perspective of like, Wanting so badly to be an X Men and then ending up in this
0: kind of heartbreaking,
1: yeah, difficult position.
0: But also knowing that she found people that have her back, which I think great. Like even though this isn't the X Men that you dreamed about, these are still the fact that Gambit's still here and he's still definitely doing X Men things. You know, Havoc is dead and or zombified, so he's doing whatever he can do to just be a part of the group, but. This exchange between Maddie and Maddie of calling the Goblin Queen a puppet for Orchis. Mm. Like, no, sis, that's and not the way, this.
1: the way she's like, ha 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 ha. They think I'm a puppet, but I'm not.
0: I've been playing the games, I'm here. I love this wide panel
1: of the battle.
0: The battle, yeah, it's one of my favorites. Maybe my favorite of the week.
1: It's so good. There's a lot of really great panels in this, yeah, in this book in particular.
0: It's the it's the layouts from Jonas, but also the colors from Frank. I feel like mm-hmm. I've been killing it throughout.
1: And the way that this is laid out with like, we have that epic fight scene, but then we have the two Maddies on either yeah. side of this other fight.
0: Especially as in between the two of them, you have like one side's quote unquote minions or people versus the other. Yeah. It's cool. It's definitely cool. the The battle is just... This was blowing my mind as Goblin Queen is snapping off her horns so that she can wear the Mercy Crown.
1: Yeah, she's she's uh, tapped something else.
0: Yeah, she's out of her mind.
1: And this idea that she's spewing about the crown and like what its real uses.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is what you were meaning to do with it, right? This is what your long game plan was, right? You're not like, really a hero.
1: You're not a hero. We're not heroes. That's not what we do.
0: The conversation amidst all the battles, we're seeing everybody get their action shot, everybody get their moment. As the Mercy Crown comes on, and we have a
1: title page Us Against the World.
0: The Mercy Seat. Written by Steve Fox, art by Jonas Scharf, colors Frank Martin, letters Clayton Coles.
1: VCs Clayton Coles.
0: Steven Segovia, and Jesus Arbertov on that cover. Alright, LCD in the house.
1: LCD is back, and we just get, like, we're not gonna have this. We're not gonna use my friend as a weapon, so we're just gonna suck her into our little weird body family unit?
0: Yes. Yes, it's ridiculous. Uh, Kroll Agent Kroll does not survive the experience.
1: No, he does not.
0: Which I gotta I... be, I gotta be upfront. Like these two agents, probably some of my favorite Orcus agents. Why is that? I don't know. I just because they had so much development throughout this miniseries and such particular specialties that mm. I think they really brought a lot to Orcus's line.
1: Yeah, Elsie, that's gross.
0: Yeah, well uh, gross. the fact gross. that she talks like a toddler.
1: Oh, and as I'm sorry, but the way that Azazel handles yeah. this next situation and just oh god, leaving you stuck in a wall like that.
0: So great. So it's great. So ridiculous. Like, like I don't I don't wanna like Azazel, but this was a great move. And I also just like the trash talk. Oh, you meant the first small-time demon that you ever saw and they promised you big things you didn't know what you were getting yourself into?
1: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. You're saying you don't want to like Azazel, but I do. I'm here for him. I've been enjoying him as a character this whole run.
0: That's true. I just... It's more because of past experiences. Right, and, right. And that I how don't much of the a jerk think. he is. But... the And the relationship also with Mplate, too. Hmm? This debt-owed... As he's like, not my problem, man. You got to take care of yourself and fight the Banff dragon.
1: Yeah, and then the first gasp that I wasn't expecting when he does not win against the Banff dragon and instead is ripped in half and is is now dead.
0: This is like a a multi-staged Azazel erasure campaign. I know. He's not the father. He's not even alive he has no control over M-Plate and M-Plate just dips. He's like, nope, I'm good. Oh it's not my fight.
1: I kind of like have a lot of respect for M-Plate in that moment where he was like, I was only here because I was forced to be here. This is not my chair. This is not my problem. This is not who I am. I'm out.
0: Why am I going to protect this thing? I'm not a good guy. I've never been a good guy.
1: I got things to take care of from my own family. And. Then Maddie v. Maddie continues, and now Havoc is in danger, and huh, our Maddie will not have that.
0: Right. Well, I mean, I-, I love this one panel, the calling back to some of the things that have happened earlier on in the series, this vision that she had, I think in issue one, where it was a decision between Havoc's crown and her scythe, kind of weighing these two things, the responsibility and the the love that she has for this man and the oh man that i mean if if this isn't in contention for that best panel of the week
1: yeah the
0: the thing is like enough
1: there's also the panel where she says twice i've nearly conquered this godforsaken world and twice gene scott poor sweet alex most of all have welcomed me back into the fold like she's Very much a changed person, and I think that that's really important that she's bringing that up here, and she's saying like, I I have the strength of you, I have the ability to take my power to that place, but I have different morals and I have a different like set of guidelines for myself now because I've been I haven't gone through what you've gone through, maybe every other Maddie in every other universe has, but I have. I've been given another chance more than once and I'm actually going to take it this time.
0: Yeah. The conversation that follows this back and forth between the two Maddies and the way that... I, I just thought that this was done so well because the Goblin Queen, as we'll refer to her, she is talking about the potential, the ways that you could use the Mercy Crown. And she's tempting Maddie She's mm-hmm. saying, hey, why don't like like, join me, rule the world as sister and sister.
1: Yeah, let's go get all the Maddies from all the universes and destroy everyone.
0: And faint with the empathy play, the like, hey, this isn't who you are. You don't need to be this evil demon woman. You have so much more to you. And I just the fact that, like, I love that she considered it, but then was her better? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like that is so in her character to be tempted by, like, this is what she's always wanted. Right. Control over the world, control over this reality. And, you know, so what if you have to share it with someone that also wears your face? That, you know, has always kind of been a problem. Right. With that slice shot through the throat.
1: Oh, another, another gorgeous page.
0: Yeah. As the head is picked up, and Maddie asserts, "I decide the ending."
1: I loved. I think that the slice page was another moment that I like out loud. Was like, yes. Yeah,
0: we get some aftermath shots. Maddie looking over from her her kingdom, her embassy, and the reuniting and and recruitment of Gambit and Faint to the underground X Men team. I wonder chronologically when this takes place and how does this mm. you know with the uh, x-men's reveal and the bloodied room is gambit and or faint involved in what happened to sink and talon
1: yeah and and the way that you i don't know if you'd like intended this right but like when you said them being released to like they were not forced to stay with this other right. group but i also think that this experience and what happened at the limbo embassy just me and maddie and and she says it right like i'm not a leader like in that sense her yeah. i think she was more like all right we're done being the dark x-men yeah i'm this gonna is do fun. my thing um you all can if you still want to be an x-men there's this underground team you can go hang out with uh but i'm gonna just do something else over here uh so i've had enough of that
0: <laughs> it's funny to have watched and and go through her character history over the last year and to see just how overwhelming managing the embassy has been Mm. and the number of problems and the amount of people claiming asylum, the number of times that there's pushback from mayor cage and -hmm. involvement with all the spider people. It's just, I would also be done with it. You know, like there's only so much that you can do out of the goodness of your heart And then realize that you're still going to get painted the villain. So what's the point?
1: Right. And I also think that she is sort of seeing that the Limbo Embassy is not actually a place for everyone. It's really a place if you meet this very specific demonic, evil niche group.
0: Yeah. If you're zero, you're welcome and you belong. But otherwise, Banff
1: Dragon will keep you.
0: And that's great. That's cool. Excited to see where that goes. I love this page. That's just little one one shot understanding of hey, maggot is doing cool things with Callisto. Yeah, to see where that goes. Angels dead. Sorry. Emplate eating people. Bamp dragon is a new friend. Mm -hmm. The uh, creep and her team that she had gathered together, and then LCD and Albert. Albert was one of the Wolverines that I was expecting Mm. as a figure. And Albert and Nelsie D. Tupac, I was surprised that we didn't get that. Almost upset.
1: Sorry. I like when she's like, oh, you still have flesh on you.
0: Yeah. Flesh. Yuck. And our our leadership team, our, our dark mirror to Scott and Jean with zombied Alex and Goblin Queen Maddie. Rounding out the series with this ending panel, I am Madeline Pryor, ruler of limbo, and once and forever the goblin queen.
1: Yeah. I also really liked the um the moment where they were basically saying, Listen, Maddie's doing her own thing, but like when we need her, like when it's time, she'll come, right? The same way that it's Doom, doom. Yeah. is doing his own thing, but when we need him, he will come. Like that's
0: how's Doom will respond. Yeah. Fall of the House of X is our Krakoan. What'd you think?
1: I loved it. I loved it. I was cheering. I was gasping. I I love the art. I, I'm i really sad to see this title end, but I also feel like this arc of the, X, the dark X-Men team is resolved in a way that makes sense to me. And I am very interested in how Maddie goes forward in the fall of X and or in X books in general, because I think that her character has gone through so much this year. You know, she had her, the whole arc where, where magic handed limbo to her or or they made a deal for her to now be in charge of limbo. Then the creation of the embassy and this whole saga to being like, she's not, she's not a villain, but she's also not a hero. Right. And I love that.
0: Yeah. This is easily my favorite of the Fall of X miniseries. I I know that Uncanny Spider-Man is slowly worming its way into my heart, but it's just not enough to dethrone how much fun and just darkness and ridiculousness Mm -hmm. this team and lineup has done for me and for the X line as a whole. I just, I would Totally read this as an ongoing. Mm-hmm. I would love to see what like I'm curious to see where some of these characters go next. Like I want some of these stories that have been teed up by c Fox. Like I want to know what Maggot and the Morlocks are doing, like what Callisto is doing. Do they go to Arizona to pick up the rest of the people? I right. want to know like all these other characters that we have touched and, and brought back into the focus. What happens with them? I thought that like the art is beautiful. I think that it's got a very distinct style to it that especially when paired with the colors feels very moody and grim and gives you this kind of dank and dark vibe. Mm -hmm. I I loved it so much. I did too. Collier is ready for Maddie's next dysfunctional X-Men team that she will lead into chaos. And I think that that's what we're all on board with is just give me another ragtag mutant mess up team and let's go. Let's let's make some noise. Let's crack some skulls.
1: Yeah, hundred percent here for it.
0: Fake Torta loved Dark X Men, but the end was so non consequential for Maddie, and I question that because I I think that this, especially coming off of Dark X Men, uh, especially coming off of Dark Web, this was her her first real story after reclaiming her personhood. And we see what that means to her throughout this series is who she decides she wants to be when she's not driven by rage and revenge. She gets to be a person. She gets to make decisions on her own and lead in a direction that she wants to.
1: I think this arc as a whole was like a test for Maddie, right? It was a test to see where she wants to align herself because the Goblin Queen was essentially a... A mirror into what could be her future and you know a way for her to see like who she could become if she went down the route of just only her only motivation being power and control Mm -hmm. And, and, and this idea that like the Goblin Queen brings up that like Madeline Pryor was created to suffer in every universe she was created to suffer and I think that in some instance she's still suffering right she is but she's she's choosing to suffer in a way that is for the good of others outside of herself versus suffering because she only chooses herself and yeah. and having that type of isolation and so yes like she it resolved right it was this epic battle that then resolved with her not losing much but i think From a character perspective, it was a test for her to see, like, where do you really want to go? How are you really going to align yourself? What is your place in the Marvel Universe going forward?
0: Yeah. Warlion has a hot take. Seemingly was not a fan of Dark X-Men, wondering why it existed. It didn't serve the fall in any meaningful ways except reminding everyone there was a Maddie out there and now her and Azazel are killed, which doesn't mean anything because no one has used these two for years. And... Like I I would question the not doing anything for the fall because it was a safe haven for some of the mutants that were left behind outside of Xavier's students. It was a kind of middle finger to Orcus and what they were planning and how they were trying to take them down. It expanded the ranks of Orcus into some interesting ways that kind of follow up the thread that was developed through the Ghost Rider crossover with Wolverine, you know, the, mm-hmm. the demonic, the hellscapes. There are different ways that the Orcus teams are creating themselves. And also I think just the number of characters that they brought into this was a really good flesh up. You know, you want to talk about, we talked about uh realm of X being very separate from the fall of X narrative, mm-hmm. but still filling a niche for some fans interest in a type of story. I feel yeah. like this was smack dab in the story of the fall of X narrative because it's actively dealing with the Orca's threat.
1: Yeah, and I—I I mean, we talked about this a little bit in the beginning of the the series as well. That when the fall happened, we became like there the 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 X Men and the mutants are in a very dark place and yeah. need to have this ruthlessness to them, like. And this book served that. This book was saying, "This is the dark. this is our darkest hour." And how do we use our darkness to our benefit? And I also think, like, in saying it doesn't serve the fall, it's like saying that character development isn't part of the fall. And I think that it is. I think that, part of the fall of x to me is taking the notions that we have about certain characters and and uh destroying that and creating new ideas and saying what what we thought once was true is no longer true and you know for gambit and rogue to have opposing viewpoints on how they should be handling the situation they've been having you know difficulties throughout and throughout the last the last year right they've had disagreements they they don't know who like on how they handle their workload and how they handle time for each other and and what their um you know what they think is right and gambit really felt strongly that like this is where he needed to be and that was a good character moment for him you had faint who was a character that was brought in for for so long and then not given a real x men purpose not being able to follow through with that faints arc through this is like her journey to becoming an x-men and and where she actually fits in i mean yes azazel came and then went but i think he had he had some ridiculous charm to him you know and like the idea is that we have all of these characters who are seemingly bad and that that even the even the people who we think are our enemies or are our allies when we're all when we're all in danger and so i think like the tone of the book was really important and i i don't know i i just i'm just going to say that i just strongly disagree with that statement
0: comic extracts thought it was beautiful danielle loved maddie choosing her own path and being inspired by scott and alex i thought that that was nice yeah to To kind of learn from, I don't want to say gifts that they gave her, but like the the compassion that she was given by Jean and Scott and Alex. To I so I, I've reread or or flipped through some of the you know like the end of Dark Web and when when Jean was like, yeah, of course, your family, and Maddie's face is like, oh, okay, <laughs> just-
1: <laughs> right? Do I want to be a part of this family?
0: I don't know galetta Grafico thinks that maddie is in a great place for what's next and I'm, I'm really excited to see where they take this i'm also very curious as to what they do with the limbo embassy and the same question mm-hmm. to jp's thought about araco like is this gonna stay or are we gonna continue to play with this because that also exists beyond the x line that was introduced in a spider-man story it's true Rusu 33 needs more maddie and alex in their life, this was my favorite miniseries. Wish there was more. Agreed on all counts.
1: Yeah, I think it's cool because, you know, we were thinking at some point, like, oh, Alex is just going to decay and he's just gone, right. like he's going to die. And I feel like he's not. He just is brought into this new version of himself. And I'm I'm excited to see where he goes now. And because we were worried, right, at some point as readers, that Maddie was just using him as a right. pawn and wasn't really you know wasn't really considering what might happen to him but i think what we've seen through this is that she does really care about him and that's why she brought him back in this zombie form because i think in some way like alex is what holds her to her humanity and the idea of of him being attacked by the goblin queen was what set her off into you know really striking out against her and then what faint brought up was like think about who you were before all of this stuff happened and i don't think she sees scott as her anchor anymore right or right like yeah faint was bringing up like you know when you first met scott or whatever but she alex is her anchor to her better self and so i'm interested to see like how they progress together and like if he can get some redemption in his character as well, like if he can have some strength and some authority and not, not be just a a puppet or, you know, in someone else's shadow.
0: Yeah. Edward III, wondering if Maddie is going back to her old ways, her keeping the mutated Nightcrawler raises some concerns for me. And I think that that's, that's interesting because I didn't get that vibe. It honestly felt more tied to what we've seen from her since, she started the Limbo Embassy of this is for the the damned and forgotten. Yes. This is for the people that don't have a home, which very much so is the Bamp Dragon,
1: like a sanctuary. Like you, you yep. came because you were under the control of this other version of me, but I'm not. Just gonna kick you out, you know?
0: Yeah, Darren is just a teacher calling out a Zazel Bamp fighting like AOA Nightcrawler, and mm-hmm. and maybe that's maybe that's why is like I'm looking at this guy. And I'm like, oh, man, my favorite guy is Nightcrawler. And this guy is cool, but he's not Nightcrawler. I have room in my heart for two Nightcrawlers. So bring him back, I guess. <laughs> Log it I up. Can,
1: I can just appreciate Azazel because I feel like he's like, yeah, I'm not a good guy, but I'm not pretending to be a good guy. But right. like, you came in here and you attacked me, so I'm going to fight you. And like, though his motivation is not, I'm going to protect everyone else, as we saw with Mplate, we still like, he's still sassy and still like, all right, well, I'll just, I'll do this. And I just appreciate that kind of
0: character. that to live your truth. Filipino Gambit asks if Azazel is dead or is he that baby devil with Nightcrawler in Uncanny Spider Man? And I think he's dead. I-, I definitely, you know, like that chomp was very convincing. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I think he's. Also- gone.
0: Yeah, I think that that as an ability is far beyond his known skill set. And there's been a lot of hints towards the little demon Banff being Legion or Legion in some way being kind of like a a conscience or guide to Kurt.
1: Yeah. I think he's dead. I think my heart (laughs) broke a little bit, but I think he's dead.
0: Yeah, honestly, don't make me care about this guy, but he's dead. Ready for X-Men Red, number 18, the finale of our mutants in space.
1: Yeah, I mean, the cover, chef's kiss.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think that covers like this, I think this lineup shot, the full team effect, these are the folks that back Aurora, that back Mm -hmm. Arako and what Arako could be. And I think that that's a really great message throughout this title.
1: Agreed. Here we go page turn noise
0: the fights unleashed we get like kind of small snippets of where the action is taking place throughout the broken land
1: yes and and the side for storms side essentially is is preparing themselves they're ready like they're ready for what's coming to them as these giant island monsters fight to yeah. the death
0: yeah we see on that big splash page of a kaiju battle, these monster islands. I love it. I you know, this love is, it. Honestly, is what I was expecting based on the end of issue 17. And I'm glad I, that this see some of it.
1: I just also like to say, I understand that the idea is like you're trying to re-merge Krakoa and Arako, but you can't create Krakoa. So you're creating Kerouac. But I just want to say as a dyslexic person, it's not fun for me. Cause I read Krakoa every time and I knew it was wrong. And I was like, that's not what it is, but it's all the same letters. So my brain can scramble those up real easy and make it say Krakoa.
0: Well, I think it was Remy that pointed out just how many different names that you can create out of Okara and, and Krakoa and Arako. And that that they're all divisions of the source material that could be given this new focus in life for what is next but i i hear what you're saying with not being able to register that it's a, a different name well, and
1: person. when we first read it you came yes. back, you called it that and i was like what do you mean what are you saying it said Krakoa. i don't know what you're talking about
0: yeah. no, because no, 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 my no. brain
1: was like no no that says Krakoa, sweetie <laughs> <laughs> anyway speaking of letters it's a title page Rise and fight.
0: The Mended Lands, which, ooh, written by Al Ewing, art by Yildiré Sinar, colors Federico Blee, letters Ariana Maher.
1: VCs Ariana Maher.
0: Stefano Castelli and Jesus Arbatov on the cover, which is our our double duo for the covers this week. Ooh. The fight continues as we check in on our, our interior team, the people that are making this possible. I think it's interesting that you have this, this four group plus Aurora in the center using mutant magic to mimic what could be done by Genesis's power to Mm -hmm. give life to nature in some kind of sentient fighter.
1: Yes. And then we're getting the sort of standoff, right. That we've been wanting is this Genesis V Aurora, the back and forth and, it's not going great for Storm, you know, like it is a battle that feels difficult, which I think is important for us to see okay. her really need to get She she's not just going to win this super easy. And I really like the the moment when Storm was like, all right, you had my turn. It's my and now you had your turn. Now it's my turn. And Genesis is like, oh, we're taking turns. That's how we're fighting. You go. I go.
0: Yeah, it's classic Pokemon. You know, it's, it's <laughs> turn based style role playing.
1: And, and Annihilation just coming in with the miss.
0: But that still plays in Aurora's favor as she shocks the sword away from Genesis and it returns to its rightful owner.
1: Yes. And let me just say, cutting back to John Ironfire and like knowing that in the last issue, he was like 98, 97. And now he's like five, four, three. Like, bro, it's just killing all those dudes. That's amazing.
0: Yeah, as he should.
1: Yeah, and then, you know, Big Blue gets his sword back.
0: Oh, Can we talk about Roberto da Costa?
1: Oh, and my the way, God.
0: The way, like, I, I've never liked Aura Serrata. Sorry. sorry. I hate
1: that. I hate that guy. <laughs>
0: the, the weird That's little fake. baby body that rides on top of the eyeball. I, I just love this exchange never stare into the sun as he's staring her down and just lights her up from the inside
1: yeah it's like as we're going through this it's like oh yeah i did have some of those moments when i was reading this as well and this was one of those moments where i was like heck yeah roberto that's right you blind that little butt face like i've never liked aura serrata they drive me bonkers and getting them to be blinded by the sun oh so good and and john Ironfire continues to hold his own like i'm just gonna grab this sword between my hands you can strike me with it but i can hold it i can stop it
0: and the the kneecap blade coming up into blue's chest
1: (laughs) at this so (laughs) i was reading this and i was reading it as like because we didn't get um, tangible comics this year. We read them all. I mean, this week we read them all digitally because we couldn't go to the comic shop. And I'm reading this and I'm at the point where like the blade comes out of his knee. And at that moment, my mom called me and I was like, oh, right in the middle of a pedal.
0: Bad timing, mom. Okay, can't, can I call <laughs> you back? Just, just hit ignore, sorry.
1: Okay. Sorry, mom, kind of in the middle of something. But I didn't, I answered.
0: You're a better child than I am.
1: And then John Ironfire gets the sword and slices through his opponent.
0: Yeah. His, like, subtext lover.
1: Right, right. (laughs) And the, the note of, like, well, I can heal. And he was like, yeah, you could heal unless I dig this sword into your heart and hold it there until the job is done.
0: Yeah. White Sword was one of the standouts for me in Ten of Swords. And to see some actual development and use and, and verses between these two new powerhouse of characters. Very exciting. Back in the heat of battle. as Fisher
1: line, baby.
0: Fischer King making the power play on Aura Serata, unleashing Xylo.
1: But sacrificing himself.
0: Which apparently was always the move. How'd you feel about that?
1: I was sad, but also it feels like that's that seems right for Fisher King, especially like learning his story and seeing yeah. how he progressed through, you know, his life to get to where he is now, that he and and to know that in doing this, he's helping his daughters have a better future, and that they were so like ashamed of him. and before.
0: Yeah, this was definitely justice to his story, which, yeah. regardless of how you know we feel, because we enjoy this character and in his arc throughout this series, it felt very fitting to have this as an impactful death. Yes, the fight continuing between Aurora and Genesis as the islands just kind of bashing into each other in the background.
1: Yeah, and and Storm, like, really breaking up. Like, do you see what this is doing? Like, is this what you want? Like, you want to restore Arako to what you think the height of Arako is, but you're destroying everyone. Like, everyone is dying. Is this right. what you really want?
0: You not understand what it is that you're doing and how you're making it worse. The kind of pulling herself to the Annihilation staff oh and God. grabbing onto it so that she... Is getting that this data page was so well done and so interesting
1: so interesting
0: so she's she's getting this conversation seemingly telepathically you know the whispers from annihilation into her mind as she's tempting aurora with the power with the potential of what could be and and the ending of it of like i've heard what you've said and i've heard what you haven't said
1: Yeah, and the twisting of, like, I'm only, like, war is only happening because that's Genesis's, that's what Genesis wants. Baloney. Right, but, like, the twisting of saying, like, if you let me lead you, I could lead you in, like, we could be better, we could be great, and, like, the manipulation that Annihilation has, and the way that Storm stays silent the whole time, I feel like that is just a testament to her power and her strength and her constitution of being like i'm going to push through this i'm going to push through this i did the same with uranos like i'm going to, to yeah. fight for what's right and so i'm pushing through what you're saying so i can focus on the fact that i'm going to attack you and you did not tell me to miss this time
0: yeah and this this page i saw the inks of this page had to share it because it's just so intense right and the details of how the helm that was this golden helmet was reformed and recreated during 10 of swords to create the staff and how that that was made into a much weaker item how that was able to be taken down by this blast from aurora and yet genesis is able to survive Mm -hmm. shout out to laktuka it's like oh it's done we done it's
1: over and and then I don't remember his name, but this double headed dog being like, I'm not done. I'm never done. I'll fight till the death.
0: Yeah. Like you own. And then I, I'd assume that this is Sunfire blasting him.
1: <laughs>
0: Get out of here. You're done. We or won. Cora. Oh, yeah. Um, Doesn't Korra do that?
1: I don't know, but isn't that Korra in the background behind Xylos Arata?
0: I don't know. I don't think so. But maybe.
1: Maybe. But Yim, I probably was Sunfire. Oh, no, it wasn't Korra. That's someone else.
0: Yeah. The defeat, the death of Fisher King and, and what it means to Sizia, what it means to Roberto, how this was always the intent of their plan and, and how we're kind of left with this last panel of his daughters mm-hmm. and their fate and what is to come for them. Get a little reconciliation between Blue and John.
1: I love it. You could have killed me, but you didn't.
0: Yeah, and then some reconciliation between our islands. I'm just gonna hug it out. Yeah, become
1: Okara again.
0: Maybe. Yeah, as we continue. It with our... What?
1: It's what it says, isn't it?
0: The true spirit of Okara is reborn. So not necessarily forming into one island, but right. the spirit of things coming together, bonding meeting each other's in the middle
1: and um i'm sorry let's send genesis to phobos
0: yeah i don't understand this part like is she not going to plan a next move from there is she stuck there i don't know like
1: you can't have a rocco but here go ahead take this moon and do what you want with it and she just So this last page is like, it's so many things because it's like, okay, she's there. She killed all those Orcus agents, but can we not forget that Nightcrawler is in a tube behind them?
0: Right, right. And is this the melted staff? Is this some other weapon that she has found and is using as her staff? I got really used to having a staff, so I just wanted to find something else to stab into the dead people around me.
1: Yeah, and like, is that a throne made out of dead bodies yes it is very goblin queen of you
0: yeah with her two remaining children by her side death is on the side of apocalypse and what was it pestilence penance i don't remember which one died
1: pestilence i think yeah dead what'd you think it was really great i think that this is the (sighs) i have mixed feelings about the kind of pacing of the battle because it did go on like the war itself did go on for a like a number of issues and the, but this was as a the climactic like big time end battle was hmm. so great it had moments where you were worried that they weren't gonna win it had twists the 10 the temptation of uh, annihilation for aurora was interesting yeah um Mixed feelings a little bit about that versus like the temptation of Uranus like because Annihilation has more manipulative power I do feel like they were different but I also feel like they were very similar in like how they challenged her so it that's interesting. Just Sunspot like blinding Aura Serrata and John Ironfire like really kind of setting his place right like we knew who he was through sins of sinister and we saw who he became through that arc but getting to see him become something similar in this in this other way and then be reunited with the white sword was just it was cool
0: it was really well done I, i had so many feelings just such a built to confrontation over the last handful of issues the last long arc for this series i think I wanted more from the battle between Genesis and Storm. If I'm being honest, I think that, you know, we got a couple good pages. We got the the impact. And maybe that's, that's the feeling you want to walk away with. You want to be left wanting more versus feeling like they're hitting you over the head with it. I feel like we've been building to this for a number of issues. So having it be this ultimately promised war would have been really nice. I, I said it before, this could have been, a double size issue, charge me the extra $2, I'm in for it. Fisher King's sacrifice, especially when put into perspective of his journey against Annihilation in that flashback, was tragically beautiful. Mm. And it's a really nice end to a character that only existed in this title and just had a full life because of that. Yeah. Galettagraphico calling out, Storm is queen. <laughs> no thrones, but yes, absolutely. <laughs> 100%. Gilbert Rojo, 1022, campaigning for Storm being the new head of the council, which I mean, that's interesting.
1: I don't think there will be a council going forward, but I liked what was was brought up last night when we were recording with 1407 Gray Um, And forgive me, because I can't remember who brought it up, but it was the idea that like someone like Storm would take the role of like how she was when she was guiding wolverine so she's not really like the leader but more of a mentor
0: wolverine was guiding her in that time oh i had, so so we were talking about how she would be more like the wise counsel to whoever was the leader
1: oh similar like in- to
0: like in the 80s when she would always look to wolverine for because he has right, okay. the extensive combat and war experience, and and is the verified killer that she needs in her arsenal, and I compared it to the way that she could have been or was set up to be the right hand to Kate as the leader. Even though you know she is the Omega, she is the much more seasoned X Men, but to to say no, you are the the big gun, the wise advisor to the face of whatever team comes next.
1: Yeah. I think of her as like the captain, but she's not, she's not out on the front lines.
0: Right.
1: She's only out there when she needs to be because of, of her morals and her ability to guide and to offer enough advice and enough perspective. Like she perspective is her big thing, right? Like she likes to think about things as a whole and not just in the moment, what's good for that moment. But how does this affect us all going forward? And I think that in her future in the Xbox, it would be very interesting if she was set in a role of guidance for others and not necessarily having to be at the forefront of the leadership. Because I think that what's also important about the journey that she's gone on is this idea, like when she said, no thrones, right? She is pulling away from the idea that one person needs to be in charge. And also she's not in it for the glory. And sometimes I feel like when people are known or people know that they are the best for the job and then they take the job instead of mentoring someone else, it goes to their head a little bit. So I think right. that she would be a really good person to be like, I I almost hate saying this because whenever someone was the moral compass on The Walking Dead, they were dead afterwards. But uh, being the moral compass of the group, I think would be interesting yeah. for her.
0: Yeah, being the wise counsel, I feel like, is really a great spot.
1: She's the Yoda.
0: Yeah. Comic Extracts wanted more for death. Only one panel and no lines in the finale. A bit disappointing. Storm, well and truly, is the region of soul and savior of mutant life and unity. All hail the goddess. A sad but beautiful end for the best mutant family. Zen and Korra have a lot to live up to. Mm. There's a lot of interesting stuff. You know, I, I thought that death story... Really took uh, an end note in the last issue. The way that he switched sides, the way that he he had a really big part in that to play up that that fight between he and Aurora to mm. be so mad at the interference of his sister and to to have gained the respect and acknowledgement from his father that no, you you are on the right path to being what I think we need to be. Hundred percent agree that she earned that title of Regent of Soul through this arc that she is the person that is able to use diplomacy to unite the warring sides and and to really get to the heart of what is needed for the people to move forward.
1: yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Gone 1000 wants to know how sunspot's doing and I think he's doing pretty good the fact that he just saved the day from at least a smaller perspective and was able to really prove himself throughout this title.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sunspot has definitely gone on a journey, and I have definitely changed my feelings on him as a character. I don't just see him as, like, a spoiled rich boy who flaunts himself around anymore. Like, he's really put himself in a place that feels vulnerable and feels determined and is, like, a a redemption in my mind for him as a character.
0: Hmm. Ashkahn ninety one doesn't get the end of X-Men Red. Genesis was exiled, but now controls an orcas site. And that's that's kind of how I was feeling, too, was how is this a punishment? I mean, I guess out of sight, out of mind can't get out of here because she can hit space travel. But how many ships does Phobos have? How many resources and and weaponry and just general supplies does this base have?
1: yeah. i I too was a little bit confused because I don't know that it was really clear. Like, How did they send her there if it's a site that's controlled by Orcus? Like, did a a rocky ship just take her there and drop her off? Like, if you exile someone, you generally don't, you just say, You're gone. It's your problem to figure out where you go next. It's not my problem. Like, it's not like Phobos is their jail. So, how do they get her there? And I don't know, I think that the root of it is she she was saying so much that Earth was next and the humans were next and that like she was going to get a Rocco back so she could go destroy them. So I think the next place for her to go is to somehow play a role in the destruction of Orcus. And this was how we did that. But I'm still unclear as to like how exactly that whole thing maths out.
0: Yeah. Hedda Dabbler realized that they missed an opportunity by not calling X-Men by not calling it X-Men Dead, like X-Men Red. <laughs> that was funny. That is- three enjoyed Red, but wished it gave more of an edge of my seat feel. It never really felt like Storm could lose. And I feel like that's a, that's a challenge with Storm as a character. She's got that plot armor. She's not going to die. You know, she, especially with the way that she built up how much of a rejection of death that she continuously carried within her like there was no doubt in my mind that she was going to win that fight it definitely to your point alicia it it had a lot of like okay tete-a-tete mm-hmm. back and forth but at the at the same time i, I never thought that we would get an answer that wasn't storm side winning yeah edward the third started to worry about storm wondering if her journey for Magneto was because she might not survive her encounter with Genesis. Also, speaking of, who's in that container Genesis has? Is it actually him? I need answers. And it's interesting because we were talking a lot about how Storm has had to embrace the ideology of Magneto, the, the ruthlessness of Magneto, similar to in the way that when we were just talking about like the 80s, she had to embrace some of the more ruthless natures of The people on her team that were incapacitated like she needed to be the one able to do the things that she would normally rely on other on her team to do and yes that is definitely a nightcrawler that is from i believe way of x the ending and then when phobos was settled they found the skeleton of nightcrawler because he did the the juiced up banff of the
1: oh right
0: and that's why they found it and they erected it as some statue. I believe that that detail is in an issue of X Men, probably like like the teens of that run. But yeah,
1: I had forgotten about that because that's not his Uncanny Spider Man suit, right? So I was thinking like, oh, because they just captured him, but and maybe that's where they transported him to, you know, do whatever experiments they were doing. But no, no, that's a different.
0: No, that was that was a, a trophy essentially that Orcus erected. When they settled Phobos. That's it.
1: That's it. It was only two issues, but it was really a juicy week. Well, three yeah. with the Digi.
0: Yeah, two really great. I mean, all three of those stories ended and they were really great endings. I we mean, it's like week next week.
1: It's oh, God. It's just like this bittersweet feeling of like, I love the triumph and the, the stakes and the battles and the, all the stuff that's happening in the books right now. But you know that it's because it's leading to the end of this era which is like
0: huh ah, mixed right. feelings well even it's it's ending this section before we go into what I believe is still the fall of X but right. the, the new batch of titles the new next stage in the the resistance fight
1: mm-hmm.
0: but yeah um, okay
1: big week what is it
0: big week astonishing Iceman number five closing that series out
1: okay Romeo, Uncanny Avengers, Romeo. number
0: five, closing that out. Okay. Wolverine, number 40, not closing that title out. That title will continue. Uncanny Spider-Man, number five, closing that out. Man. And then we have Rom and the X-Men, which I don't know if I'm actually going to pick up. It's a reprint of four classic issues. If I pick it up, we're probably not going to talk about it on the podcast. Uh, Rom Space Knight is a character that was kind of in limbo uh like like physical like development limbo because of copyright ownership and these issues were never able to be reprinted i haven't read them so that's probably why i'll pick it up but and then also original x-men number one the what is this throwback series of the oh five that you only were upset about because you thought there was a second throwback no, series. i'm still upset
1: happened. about it <laughs> it's fine oh. but i'm still upset about it
0: I'll also pick up God's number 3 and amazing Spider-Man number 40.
1: Well, it's been fun. And don't forget, we're going to do something after after Christmas time. We'll be doing an Instagram live, and so keep your eyes peeled on our Instagram for that exciting stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Until next time, old friend. Cheers. Thanks so much for joining us today on the Ex-Wife Podcast. Be sure to leave us a review and tell your friends.
0: The Ex-Wife Podcast is produced in Providence, Rhode Island by Alicia and Justin. Our music is by Kwan.